I want to dive into the message this morning because I really have a message that the Lord has put heavy on my heart. Not heavy in a bad way, heavy in a good way. Just I'm excited about it. And um, before I do that, I shared with you last week that over the course of the next two weeks before Christmas weekend, I'm going to speak about Christmas as, as our theme. And next Sunday, I'm going to talk to you about the origins of Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas and should we celebrate Christmas. So don't miss that next weekend. should be fun. This morning, I want to talk to you about an aspect of who Jesus is that is so important for us to fully understand. Many times we read the Christmas stories, but we don't fully grasp or comprehend the power of what's actually being said. Many times we miss the finer details because we don't understand the context. We don't understand the, the historical context. And we miss things that are extremely powerful to our walk with God. And so this morning I'm hoping as we dive into a very famous Christmas story that we can be enlightened to something that I believe will greatly, greatly encourage you. So let's go in our Bibles to Matthew 2, verse number 1. Matthew 2, verse number 1. Let me see by a show of hands, how many of you, this is your first time at Oceans? All right. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming. I almost forgot to say that. Okay. I just want to tell you, do what everybody else does, and no one will know. Okay? I'm very calm most of the time. I don't know what's going to happen this morning. Okay? There is a small possibility I might get a little excited. Okay? And the reason why is because Jesus is the reason for the season. Matthew 2, verse number 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's stop there for a moment. I want you to understand that these wise men came from the east. Most scholars believe that it was, it was, it was basically where Iraq is today. This is a long way from Jerusalem. And these wise men had been given information and prophecies about a coming Messiah, the king that would come to the world. And they wanted to go and meet this king. They, these were extremely wise men. And in fact, there's a lot of history about them, but I'm not going to get into that this morning. But they knew that the king of the Jews was going to be born. And they had made their way towards Jerusalem so that they could meet this king of the Jews. It's very interesting because immediately when this happens, it's important for us to understand that at the time that they were on their way to meet this new king of the Jews, there was already a king in power. His name was Herod. And I don't think Herod was too excited at the prospect of someone taking his crown. So let's take a look at what happens. 
When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them whether Christ was to be born. So you must understand that these wise men came from the east with insight that the Messiah, the Messiah, the king, was going to be born. When Herod called all the scribes and religious leaders together to get the information, they had a solution. They had, they had information, prophetic information from the scriptures about the birth of this king. So he calls all his scribes together, brings them in, and this is what they said. Verse number five. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. So this was written hundreds of years before. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This was the prophetic scriptures that tells us that out of Bethlehem would come a ruler. A new king was to be born out of Bethlehem. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So he'd done all his math as to when the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem because he knew this was the place where this king would be born. Go and search carefully for the young child. And when he had found him, and when you have found him, bring word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Everyone say exceedingly great joy. And when, when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. They knew because of a dream that they'd had that Herod had bad intentions with the information that they were going to give him about where the Christ child was, where this new king was. And the reason why he was upset, as I've already said to you, is because a new king was going to be born and this king was going to take his place. But there was an anticipation amongst the people that a Messiah was going to be born and deliver them. This Messiah would come and deliver them from the oppression that they were in. Prophetically, there were scriptures to confirm that this Messiah would come, that he would be the son of David that this Messiah would come and deliver the people. They were ready for this. But Herod was not excited about it at all. So he made a decree and he said, all children under two years old need to be put to death. All young boys need to be put to death because that way he can kill this king quickly. Now you must understand, we know that there are forces working all the time. You need to realize this. If you're a Christian by now, you should realize that the wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. So even though Herod in his flesh as a human being desperately wanted to destroy this king, there was also another enemy that didn't want this king to be born, rise and take his place on his throne. 
Are you with me? But as we know, as we know, Jesus did not die because they fleed from Bethlehem. But I want you to understand that he was born as a king. Jesus was born a king, even though his life doesn't actually look like someone who was a king. In fact, if anything, the life that he led while he was on the earth looked more as someone who was a servant that gave his life. But I want to tell you this morning that he was born a king and will forever be the king of kings. Now, let's, let me, let me start in the beginning because in order for you to understand the significance of Jesus as king, you must understand why he was born a king. And why is this so important to you and I? And why is this important to the Jews, to the children of Israel? They were waiting for this Messiah. Why is it so significant that he was born a king? Didn't look like he was a king, but without a doubt, he was a king and is a king. We have to go to the beginning to understand it fully. And I think that it might fill in a lot of missing pieces for you if you know the story of Jesus, especially around this time of year. So if we're going to go to the beginning, let's start in Genesis 1.1. You can't really start earlier than that. So in the beginning, God, it says this, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to understand that it is God who created everything. He's the one who created the heavens. He's the one who created the earth. It belongs to Him. He's the creator of it all. That's the God that you and I serve. The God of all creation. All of it, He created it. All. Listen, Psalm 24 verse 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's. Everybody, who does it belong to? It belongs to, to the Lord. And all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. He owns it all. He, he, he is in charge of everything. But the interesting thing about God is that as you learn to know Him more, you will discover that He is a God of order. I know it's not nice. Let me tell the youth. They'll probably like it more. Okay. Well, there's not that many youth here. You go. Okay. <laughs> Let's just do it anyway. God is a God of order. So when he established the earth, he made a decision to put somebody in charge. Watch this now. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, watch this now, have dominion. Have dominion. Over what? Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The word dominion is important. 
because the word dominion has the Hebrew word rada, and it means to rule. So God owns the earth and the fullness therein. He's the creator. But when he created it, he said to man, listen, I've created you in my image and my likeness, and I'm giving you the rule. I'm giving you the dominion on the earth over what? Everything. Every living thing. This is awesome, right? So we know that that's why God created us to rule. We were to be like, almost like kings on the earth. Man was created to rule on the earth. But unfortunately, there was a creature on the earth who was a serpent. That serpent of old, the devil. And he got before Adam and Eve and persuaded them that they were not like God, that they did not have the authority and rule that they thought they had. And if they wanted to be like God, they should disobey him and eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so that their eyes would go open. What they didn't realize is when they took a bite out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, their spiritual eyes went shut. Not only did their spiritual eyes shut, but their rule and dominion was also lost to the enemy. So no longer did man have rule and authority. That's why oh, God is so good, guys. Okay, before we get to that's why, let's go on just a little more. I, I want you to see this clearly. Look at this now. Psalm 8, verse number 4. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have, what is that? Rule, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So we understand that man was created to have this dominion. Unfortunately, as we already discussed, we know that the enemy came and stole that from us. He came and stole it from us. Adam basically, unintentionally, handed over that dominion and rule of the world to the enemy. Now, God is sovereign, almighty. Why didn't he just come down and sort them all out? Because God plays by his own rules. Listen, if God makes a rule, he sticks to those rules. That's why it's so important that we follow his rule. Because if we don't, he's not really our king. So, now, it's very important that we understand this. If our rule was taken away, there would have to be only one way that it could be given back. It had to be restored in a man. It had to be restored in a man. He couldn't just come down and take it back. He had to come down as a man and take back that authority, that rule, 
that dominion. Are you guys with me? If you look at the story in the Old Testament, you will see God's redemptive plan for His creation, man. There were no tribes before Adam and Eve. They were the only ones. Oh, there were other people. That's not what the Bible says. There are no other books before then. This is the book. This is the account. All authority was given to those two in the garden and they were told to create. They were told to have dominion. They were told to populate the earth. Are you guys with me? God then had a redemptive plan through the children of Israel. But redemption and salvation was for His entire creation right from the very beginning. Because you, even you, yes, even you, He died for you. He loves you. You were created in His image and likeness and He wants to restore what was stolen from you. So this plan of redemption took place and the prophecies were told about this coming king that would come, the son of David would come and he would rule. You must understand that every prophecy must come to pass and must be fulfilled. And we have seen in part these prophecies fulfilled, but not in totality yet. And I'll show you why in just a moment. But when Jesus came to the earth, remember our authority, our rule, which was rightfully ours, was taken from the enemy. Our nature changed and we struggle even today, right? With that lower nature. When John the Baptist was on the scene, the first story in the New Testament after the, the, the birth of Christ, the Bible starts and it says this, watch. It says this, Matthew 3, verse 2, John the Baptist. He went about and, and, and saying, verse 2, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What did this mean? This was such a powerful statement. All authority and rule had been taken away from you, but I want you to know that what's about to take place is that rule and authority from heaven is about to be here. It's at hand. It's about to happen. You're about to experience it. So turn from your way so you can be a part of that. You can be a part of that kingdom. You can be a part of that rule. Are you guys with me? This was his message. He would go about, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. God's rule, God's authority, it's right here. All you have to do is turn and turn to him and you will experience it. This was his message. We know that Jesus was already born at this time, raised already. And it was shortly after the statement that Jesus came walking down the Jordan and John the Baptist sees him and says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John takes him after much struggle and finally baptizes Jesus. And Jesus goes under the water, and when he comes up out of the water, the Bible says the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And these words came from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus was, 
was given authority and he was given the spirit without measure. And the Bible tells us that he went into the wilderness for 40 days. While he was in the wilderness, something profound happens. This is so important what I'm about to share with you. We know that Jesus was tempted three times. I'm not going to read all three temptations to you. I'm going to read the last one. Listen to what it says. Matthew 4 verse 8. Remember, the devil stole our authority, our dominion. Jesus has been baptized. Now he's facing the devil just like Adam and Eve faced the devil in that day. Watch. Matthew 4, 8. And again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. The devil shows him, look at all these kingdoms. Look at all the splendor. Look at all this wealth. Look at all of this, Jesus. And he said to him in verse 9, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. So in other words, the enemy had something to offer. Why? Because he'd stolen it all from man. But Jesus didn't take a bite of that apple. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Jesus rejects the enemy rejects the suggestion and the, and, and the temptation, the lusts of the eyes, the lusts of the flesh and the pride of life. He rejects him. You have to understand in that moment, the Bible says that he fled, you know, to come back for a more opportune time. But at that moment, Satan had one plan. Crucify him. Kill him. Don't let him rule. Don't let him take that seat as king in Jerusalem because if he does that, then, then everything's gonna happen, everything's gonna change. He didn't understand the full plan of redemption. He didn't know what was coming. I have no doubt about this. Do you really think that he would have set everything up to make sure that Jesus was killed if this wasn't his strategy? But Jesus didn't take a bite of it. He was willing to live and suffer and die for you and I so that he could give back to man what God had originally given to man from the very beginning. <laughs> Amen. Sorry, brother, you were in the spit zone. That's what happens. And I'm excited, so there's plenty of saliva pouring out. Okay. <laughs> When Jesus comes down after the temptation, watch what he does. The first message he preaches, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Woo. Come on, somebody. Listen, they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't recognize him. How could they? You think, oh, they're so, they didn't recognize him. But they couldn't. I, I would have, we would have done exactly the same thing. We would have probably been even worse, especially you. Okay. Me, not so much, but you definitely. Okay. What he was saying, heaven and the rule of heaven is standing right in front of you. 
the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is standing right here. Turn. The, the, the disciples be, believed that this was the Messiah. They thought they would follow him to glory, not to death. They didn't realize that he was going to die. They thought that he was going to rule. What they didn't realize, that the, the, that the wrestle, that the battle is not physical, it's spiritual. And Jesus was ruling everywhere he went. He, he, he cast out demons. Blind eyes were opened. Peoples were healed. The brokenhearted was restored. The enemy was cast out everywhere that he went. Every place his foot stepped. When he walked into a room, the demons would say, what have we to do with you, Jesus? What are you doing here? You've come to torment us before your time. We think with this thing, but Jesus was operating in another realm completely because you must understand the realm with which Adam and Eve was deceived was in the spirit realm. Somebody. They lost that dimension. Jesus was already in that dimension. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for those who love Him. It's spiritual stuff that these natural senses can't see. Everywhere Jesus is going, the kingdom is being expanded. Everywhere Jesus is going, the rule of God is being released. Everywhere Jesus is going, dominion is coming back to God. People are repenting. People are crying out to God. And they didn't see it. How could they? How could they? They were expecting another giant killer. They were expecting someone to march into Jerusalem and take over. But when they came to arrest Jesus, he said that I give my life willingly. I give my life willingly. The Christmas story means so much more. We have got reason to celebrate. Do you know that there's only one time a year that on secular radio Christian songs are sang? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. It's on the secular radio. There is no greater opportunity to evangelize than Christmas season because it's in everybody's face. There was a king born in Bethlehem. His name is Jesus. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. Oh, hallelujah. All right, all right. Okay. I know, I'm sorry, I get a little excited. I did warn you though. I did, I warned you. So, you know, lock the doors, close the doors. Amen, all right. Okay. It's amazing that while Jesus was doing this, he calls his disciples. And then he says to them in Matthew 10 verse seven, and you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When the disciples return, this is what they said. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Come on, I want you to say it with me. 
Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Say it again. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Why? Because the authority that he had, he began to delegate. God works with divine order, church. He began to delegate that authority. And everywhere his disciples went, that authority was busy operating on the earth. They came back, they were so excited, but they were still expecting that he was gonna go and knock everything down in Jerusalem because they were thinking in the natural. The Bible tells us that in that moment, Jesus got so excited. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why? Because your authority and rule that was established, Satan, I want you to know that the kingdom of God is standing here right now and your authority is coming down from a high place to a low place. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. What's it all about? I want to tell you what it's all about. Sit down, sit down, sit down. It's all about souls. It's all about people. You are so special. You are so precious to Him. He sent His Son to die for you so that you could be His people, a holy people, a precious, precious people, a people that would worship Him in spirit and in truth, that would follow Him and love Him and serve Him with all of their heart. That's who you are. That's who you are called to be. They were so excited, the disciples, the rule began to spread in the life of Jesus. And just when things were really getting exciting, he went to the cross. And he died on the cross. And how, for about three seconds, celebrated. What they didn't realize was that now it was finished. Did he not say those words? It is finished. In other words, he had established his rule once again on the earth. The Bible says this, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot enter into it. You cannot partake of it. Why? Because you are dead. Spiritually, you are dead. But when you give your life to Jesus, you become born again. Listen, there's so much more to talk about here. But I, 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 for the sake of time, I need to move on. So I'm hoping you're all able to stay with me. I'm really trying to make sure you stay with me. So you must be born again because when you are born of spirit, you now have that authority. Let me show you what I'm talking about. We're gonna go in the book of Mark just to prove a point to you, to show you that this was his plan all along. Mark 16 verse 15. Jesus is with his disciples just before he goes up to be with the Father. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I find it amusing because 
They didn't want to go to every creature. They just wanted to go to the Jews. But Jesus told them, go to every creature. Why? The enemy didn't want it, guys. The enemy didn't want you to be sitting in Vera Beach in 2023 on a Christmas week, a couple of weeks before Christmas, to be worshiping the king, to be serving the king, to take dominion for the king, to turn Vera Beach inside out and upside down. He didn't want it to happen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, watch this now, and sat down at the right hand of God. Watch this now. He sits down at the right hand of the Father. He has delegated his authority once again on the earth. To who? To you. And he says, these signs, what signs? The signs of the kingdom. The signs of the dominion and authority has been given to you as his church, as his body, as his bride. That's why last night I tried to tell you that there's so much more to you than meets the eye. There is something inside you, a secret, a mystery inside you that you must discover so that you can become all that God has called you to do and be. And let me tell you why. Because when you stand before Him in that day, you are already saved. You will be with Him. The question that will be asked is, what did you do with the rule you were given? What did you do with the authority you were given? Did you misuse it? Did you mishandle it? Did you do nothing? Did you even believe? And that will determine how you spend your eternity in heaven. God will create a new heaven and new earth, and we will more than likely be more than likely on earth in this new heavens and new earth, doing what he's called us to do. I'll go fishing every now and then. And all the fish that bite will be awesome. And they will not, I will never, I will never skunk or blank ever. They will always bite. Your time in heaven will be nothing boring, nothing, it's gonna be amazing because that's what he called us to do from the beginning. Guys, Now watch this. So Jesus dies, rises again. When they go into the tomb, they find a swaddling cloth. The same cloth that he was clothed in when he was born. But this time, the cloth is empty. Why? Because the body had been resurrected. We all believe this. If you don't believe this, you're not a Christian. Then he came out of the grave in that body, was seen by many witnesses, spent time with his disciples, and he told them, now go and preach, take this gospel, take this dominion, take this rule to the ends of the earth. And then when you 
preach the word, make sure you display my authority and power. Not to impress people, not to brag about it, but to confirm his authority, to confirm his rule. Listen, it's not about TV programs and raising money or any of that stuff. It's confirming the King of Kings. It's setting the captive free. It's healing the brokenhearted. It's touching the blind eye. It's healing the broken. Come on, that's what he desires to do. Amen. Now watch. That same body was with his disciples, then went up to heaven and sat at the right hand of the Father as he watches. I've got your attention. This is great. Okay, let's go. Two more scriptures and then we're done. Watch this now. Let's go to Revelation 19, verse number 11. Where is Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father, waiting for that day. What day? I'm so glad you're asking. Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flame of fire, like a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. You don't understand how much fulfillment of prophecy and everything we study and know is fulfilled right there just in that part. It's so powerful. Verse 14. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. I'll be there. I'll be right there. Hopefully you too. Amen. All right. Verse 15, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself, everybody say he himself, will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of God Almighty. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Listen. Yes, Lord, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay. And when he comes back to the earth, he will strike down every attack and every king and everything that stands against him. And the day will come that everything will be prepared in the city of Jerusalem when the king in his flesh will walk up the stairs of the temple mount and will go onto his throne and sit down in his throne on the earth and rule the nations king of kings and lord of lords come on somebody give the lord a shout and a clap oh king of kings and lord of lords there is none like you lord Now watch this. We have quoted this scripture so many times, but I hope this morning it means more to you than ever before. Watch this now. 
Isaiah 9, verse number 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Everyone say forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a guarantee that the son of David will come and he will take his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords. Understand something. The Jews do not recognize him as the Messiah because he has not yet sat on his throne. They can't see what we see because our eyes have been opened. We are so blessed. It doesn't make them bad or evil. It just, they can't see it, guys. That's why we have to love him and walk with him to the point where they see that love and that truth in us and they become jealous and they desire it as well. That's what it's all about. The Jewish people are a beautiful, wonderful people. They are also his people, just like every other nation of the world, every tribe, every tongue, everyone shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. But the day will come where He will go and sit on that throne. Then all the tribes of the earth will declare that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That baby in a manger is no ordinary baby, my friend. Who's do you serve him or do you not serve him? Is he your king or is he not your king? Now stand to your feet and give the Lord a clap and a shout because you know him and you serve him and you love him. Oh, hallelujah. King of kings, Lord of lords, hallelujah. Stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Give the Lord a shout. Let's sing that song. Come on, let's sing this song together this morning.
Lord a clap. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout this morning. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, this morning in this place, we are so grateful, Lord, that you thought of us when you sent your Son. You thought of us, Lord. You have redeemed us. You have delivered us and you have set us free. Now, Father, yet we are and desire to serve you with our lives. That we would take your kingdom. And, Father, that we would preach the word to the brokenhearted, to the blind, to the hurting. Father, this morning, even in this place and watching online, I pray for everyone that does not know you, that you would draw them to yourself even this morning in this place. Father, we are so grateful. Surely, Jesus is the reason for the season. And you, Lord Jesus, are King of kings and Lord of lords. We honor you and we thank you. The name that is above every name, to whom every knee will bow and every tongue will surely confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. In this place, we honor you. In this place, we magnify you. And in this place, we bow down before you, Lord. For you are our King and you are our Lord. And we are so grateful to you. This morning, I lift up every person in this place watching online. Strengthen them, bless them, draw them closer to you, Father. We love you and we honor you. All of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Don't miss next weekend. I believe it will be really good. Have a great week. Go in his peace and be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.